You're listening to Inside Acting. To find out more and make a donation, visit InsideActingPodcast.com. Welcome to episode 116 of Inside Acting. I'm AJ Meyer. And I'm Trevor Elgott. And on this podcast, we interview writers, directors, agents, casting directors, managers, producers, and in-home fitness gurus, yes. personal fitness assistants on your DVD, <laughs> in your living room, bring it to the people, <laughs> and and then we bring it to the people uh, on, on the internet. Where it's where it's free for everyone. Nice recovery. Recovery. I was going to say something about you going to work for Beachbody's marketing department, like a sarcastic joke. But then you were like, "And we bring it to the people." I was like, oh, that's good. "Listen, that's good. I'm king of the segue. That's all that's I have good. to say." You are. Uh, yeah. And speaking of segues, Trevor's <laughs> going to tell you about the podcast some more. Yeah. So you know, we're two dudes sitting on the couch in Culver City. We started this podcast because we wanted a, an excuse to basically talk to people and. And uh, hear their stories and sit down and connect with them. And uh, it's a lot easier when you can kind of offer them, you know, uh, publicity, I guess, essentially. So that's what we're all about. Uh, we don't um, necessarily have the one true, you know, ring to rule them all. So so if you hear something on the show that you want to chime in on, uh, please feel free to do it. InsideActingPodcast at gmail.com or call our voicemail line at 2132-ACTORS. 2132228677. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. This episode has started out with some really, like, we, we've now spanned the gamut of P90X to Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Yeah, we have. Yes. It's awesome already. And on this episode, if you couldn't already tell, we have uh, the second part of our interview with the man himself, Mr. P90X, Tony Horton. Yes, indeed. So, stick around for that. This episode brought to you by a leaf blower that <laughs> just, just hanging out for 20 minutes, blowing every single possible leaf outside. What is he, he doing? Could. Literally, there's only one sidewalk in, you need, in your, uh, <laughs> that goes through the middle of your, your building. You need to share why leaf blowers are your least favorite invention ever. Okay, yes. I was just telling <laughs> Trevor's... There's no... You cannot argue with this logic. I was just telling Trevor's uh, roommate, and I've already told Trevor this, but the, if I were to make a list of human inventions that I that I can't despise, I think the leaf blower would be number one. Um, to which Trevor's roommate said, really? Not the atom bomb? And I said, look, we don't use that every day. The leaf blower is a fossil fuel burning engine. So it pollutes the environment, right? Used to blow nature off of another human invention called concrete that we put there to cover up nature in the first place <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen a free preview of heathers brought to you by <laughs> no how was no. that going by the way you opened it this past weekend we did thank you hey man nice segue thank you 
Yes, we opened this past weekend. It was good times. Um, the amount of people in the industry who are coming to see this show is ridiculous. People in the industry meaning? Meaning like heads of studios, like the head of like CBS Films was there, the head of like, I don't know, Fox Casting or I think I have those switched. CBS Casting and Fox Films. Michael Lehnert? The original director of Heather's, the film, was there on opening night. Dan Waters, who wrote the film, was there on opening night. It's like this who's who of of both Hollywood and Broadway that are coming to see this over the course awesome. of the next few weeks. And it's cool because they're sending us they're, – they're being very supportive of the actors and sending us um, lists of who's coming uh-huh. and like this word document that I then just forward on to my manager awesome. to be like, Hey, you know, if there's any name you see here that, you know, I should know or should meet or we should thank for coming or something like yeah. that. You or know, that you know. have a relationship with your manager has a relationship with. Right. Exactly. Reach out and say, what do you think of my client? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And apparently there's been some people who were like typically, um, curmudgeon Good use of the it. word curmudgeon. Thank you, sir. Typically, is curmudgeon a word that can I put in a while? I don't know. I knew Look, what you meant. So does if it, does I it can't, just pretend there's an apostrophe between the end of the curmudgeon and the letter Y, because then okay. it's forgivable. Or, or a dash. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, I meant hyphen. Wow. <laughs> okay, I guess this one guy in particular came to see it and then said that he loved it and loved everybody in it and... Um, this other guy said that, you know, it's been a long time since he's seen something in Los Angeles where it was that good and he didn't know any of the actors. Wow. Um, cause wow. It, it is a bunch of, you know, either unknown actors or, or, or people who, you know, came in from New York or just people who would be unfamiliar to, uh, the sort of LA, um, elite, so to speak. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <clears throat> but it's being very well received. Everybody's loving it. Um, I'm having a great time and, you know, my, uh, my, my, my hope is that, you know, they will keep me in mind as it flies off to parts yonder, i.e. Broadway and potentially mm-hmm. a feature film, that kind of thing. They will. They so, will. Totally. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but that's been, that's been my world that and trying to move my whole world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> looking for a new place to, to, to live, which I thought would be easier. In uh, Los Angeles, one of the most populated places mm-hmm. in the world. Yeah. But, um, you know, you get kind of used to a, a certain standard of living, and we've seen a lot of places that look like crack houses. Yeah, especially, just- <laughs> especially as you get older, you know, and we've been here, you know, a while now. It's, it'll be my anniversary coming up uh, in Thanksgiving. <laughs> you okay? You got a little coffee? Right? Yeah, uh, whatever. Um, <laughs> but it'll be, it'll be that long, and... Uh, <laughs> and you know the apartments that I am willing to live in now are vastly different than the ones I was willing to live in. Yeah, when I first got here. Yeah, you know half of it has to do with age, but also half of it has to do with like no, I've earned something a little nicer than that at this point. You know, I mean where I live now, I'm spoiled rotten. This place rocks, and I pay like next to nothing for it. Yeah, so yeah, this place is great. Yeah, so doing that, doing that, trying to move, opening a show. How about you? Uh, congratulations, by the way. Thank you, sir. I couldn't be there on opening weekend, but uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it very soon. So stoked about that. Uh, no, I'm good, man. I'm, I've been working on audiobooks these past couple weeks, um, which is a whole thing in and of itself. And uh, and I got this awesome 
short film project that I'm shooting this weekend. Uh, I talked about it in the last episode, the one I was like super stoked to book yeah. and it kind of came out of the blue and, um, uh, yeah, so I booked it and we've been rehearsing and it's, it's awesome. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. It's very, it's challenging. It's totally new. It's totally, it's just, it's great. I'm psyched. I'm psyched. Stiked, which is stoked and psyched. I got it. Combined. I got it. Yeah. All right. Invent, I'm making up stuff. Invent a new word. Yeah. Invent a new word. I love it. <laughs> Did you, when you say rehearse, is that because it, they're like long takes or is it just the director wants to? Yeah. The, the director wanted to basically have it, have this, have everything so put together that it could stand alone on its own as like a one act play. It's a 16 page script and it's, it's linear. It's, there's no location changes. It's all one location. But there are different beats. Like there's definitely different pieces to it, where there, where the intention changes and the, the dynamic changes and whatnot. But he wanted to rehearse it so we could do it that way, so that we had familiarity with the momentum and where these different pieces are. We're going to shoot largely in order, but there are some there is some stuff on Sunday that we're going to shoot out of order. And he just wanted us to kind of be really comfortable with the material. Hmm. Okay. Um, and you know, I think once we get the makeup in there and. Um, you know, the lights and it's just going to be awesome. There's a lot of like violence and blood and stuff. I was going to say, what genre would you put it into? Uh, well, the concept is probably like the thriller genre, mm-hmm. not like horror, but like thriller as in Michael um, Jackson. Right. Got yeah. It. Like, yeah. <laughs> Zombies. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's, um, it, it's, it's, uh. Yeah, it's like it's like a thriller. It's like um, what's that movie with Tom Cruise and Jamie Fox, where Jamie Fox is driving around? Oh, Collateral. It's like Collateral meets like Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels meets Fight Club. Whoa! Yeah, it's a really cool In sixteen pages. It's a cool concept. These guys really know what they're doing. It's it's a great script. I love the way it's written. That's I, awesome. I just I'm excited, really excited. That was a great film. BT Dubs. It was a great film. It I was, liked that like, movie. It did not get a lot of play. It was sort of like quieter maybe i don't know maybe it's lower but i don't know yeah i don't know it's good if you haven't seen it it's, it's a good, good yeah. film yeah it's a good film and i freaking love jamie fox but yeah it's really cool now i'm like super stoked to see this short dude. yeah like, i'll have to tell you more about it offline i don't i don't know how much i can say about the actual plot while we're recording but sure uh, sure sure hey, what's the what's the can you share the title uh, the title of the short is The Midnight Monster which is a variation on the feature title which is The Midnight Man um, so they're using this to pitch the feature basically to get investors interested and things like that. And the guy who, the guy, the guy who co-wrote it and is directing yeah. it is also an editor. And he showed me the rip reel, which is kind of like a sizzle reel where mm-hmm. he cut up different films, uh, and added music and things like that to give a kind of general look and feel of, of what he wanted the film to oh, be wow. like. Okay. And it's awesome. I think he actually used clips from collateral and fight club and maybe even lock stock and do smoking barrels. Is, it, is that online somewhere? Is that like no, he, no? He just showed it to me at the rehearsal. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Um, but yeah, super stoked. So it's it's uh, was that that answer your question? Was I that what you asked me? Okay, I couldn't remember. I, I said what genre it was. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's yeah, it's like suspense thriller action type deal. Got it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I, my character is well, I shouldn't say because it'll spoil it, so I won't say it. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Cool, cool man. <laughs> well, looking forward to seeing our listeners are like, great. Now a year from now, I'll be able to see the link online. Somewhere. I know. Well, he said he's going to have it done. Um, ideally like with post and everything. Cause there's going to be some CG that needs to be added for various so reasons. Cool. Um, so, uh, he is aiming to have something to show around by like mid December. 
Wow. Okay. Um, so, so he'll start showing it to investors in January, but mid December is when he wants to have it done. So sweet. I'm so, I'm so stoked. I'll tell you, like I said, I'll stiked. tell you more about it. You're stoked. I'm stoked. <laughs> <laughs> Which is P S T Y K E D. Stiked. Stiked. So our listeners, you, you wonderful, lovely people, were so generous with your reaching out uh, this week. No voicemails, but uh, we've got several emails to kind of get through, and uh, we're even going to combine a couple of ideas like we like to do. Um, the first one comes from uh, Rebecca, who we haven't heard from in, a, in quite a while, and it was so cool to get like an update. Um, yeah, it's been about a year. I think she even hard. said two years in her email, but... Either way, it, you know, the last time she said in the email, like the last time she reached out to us was like, oh, I'm looking for a commercial agent or just got a commercial agent. Yeah. And here we are, you know, a year or two later and she's booked s- several commercials according to her email and has gone out for a bunch of co-star on network television stuff, which is like, what? Yeah. That's epic. Like The, the last time I remember talking to her, she was actually asking for our thoughts on the interview with a commercial agent. And one had turned her down saying that she had too much of a Midwestern look or I don't know, something like that. And now she's she's kicking ass. So oh, I love it. Yeah, it's I love, awesome. It's, it's it's really cool for us. She does say warm fuzzies to us, and she she says warm fuzzies to you guys, like literally, quote unquote, um, in the email. And it is it's such warm because mm-hmm. I know we have microphones. <laughs> like you have to listen. I mean, we don't have to listen to us, but if you're listening to us, you have to listen to us. Do you get what I'm saying here? I'm just saying like we talk about our journey on the podcast, so when we hear back from listeners, it's so wonderful. Yes, yes, indeed. Woo-hoo. So her question um, is basically, um, you know, I'll go ahead and quote it. She says, "I've been out of, I've been out on a lot of co-star, primarily comedy auditions, and I'm never sure if I should go balls out and be as funny as I can be, or if I need to be really subtle and hold back because essentially these roles are just setups for the jokes made by the main characters. I want to make an impression, but I don't want to be seen as an obtuse actor or scene stealer." My gut is that I should just do what I do best, and when the right role comes along, it'll just click. And I'd have to agree with that. You know, I mean, I think when you do these co-star roles, especially for comedy stuff, she's absolutely right. She's she's got it right on the head. She her role, the role of that kind of character is to be a setup for the main character. But a lot of the times, you have somebody like you know the soup Nazi in Seinfeld, you know, who is the the joke, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah, the way the the way Seinfeld and and George and all those guys react to the soup Nazi. If anybody hasn't seen that episode, you need episodes, to see it. Multiple episodes, multiple, yeah, multiple episodes. Because that guy, I think, was only hired for one episode, and he actually is a soup guy in New York. I think I don't think he's even an actor. <laughs> I think I heard that story somewhere, or maybe he is an actor. Anyway, maybe it's based on a real guy. Yeah. So, but but that guy kind of it was a little bit different there. So you know that's the exception, of course, to the rule. So there really isn't a rule. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah, just go follow your gut. You know, I mean, if you're if you're the supporting, then be the support, and if you're the punchline, be the punchline. And I mean, this there's really no other way to respond to this. I don't think. I mean, she's got it down. I think. Yeah, your your yeah. instincts are are right on, Rebecca. The only thing that I would add is is you're right also in in that you are being in service of the story, being in service of the script, 
and and that's what they're expecting from anybody who's going into audition is that you are in service of the script. So if you know it's you're you know going out to be to play a waiter and you're you know saying what else you know can I get you anything else or something like you wouldn't be like can I get you anything else with a clown nose on or something like that. You know it's really as being in service of the story, so being subtle and um and then the other thing that i would add is is something that we talk about on the podcast a lot which is just trust that you're enough mm, yeah you know because yeah. <clears throat> to think oh do i need to go balls out and be as funny as possible it's like well you know what's wrong with you know you showing up as authentic as opposed to yeah. you know putting something on because you want them to see how funny you are um make an impression by being yourself yeah. Especially in in walking in the room and and leaving the room, you know, it's like maybe you can make like a funny joke. Like, don't go in with something planned, obviously, but if you can rattle something off that's funny, you know, in response to something somebody says or somebody's doing in the room or something like that. If it's organic, then 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 you can sort of let that out when you're not specifically being in service to the script. Yeah, yeah, I, that's <clears throat> I love the way you put that. Insert be in service to the script. That's really what it is. And, you know, to have an idea of what the tone of the show is, you know, yes. like some of these shows are yes. like the humor is just so deadpan and then others are like the humor is everybody walking really funny or something. You know, it's, yes. you know, know what it is. And yeah. like I said, Rebecca, I think you've, you've got this, uh, you got this in the bag. Yeah. She's got good instincts. Obviously she's working. Woohoo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, next email comes from Brian, who's a longtime listener to the show. Uh, and he, it's actually not even really a question. It's more of a comment on um, the dun, 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 cast and director workshop kind of <laughs> thing. Uh, Brian recently listened to our Billy DeMota episodes. And for listeners who have not heard that episode, Billy DeMota is a casting director who is pretty staunchly against paid casting director workshops. Um, and you can listen to the interviews to find out why. <laughs> and, you know, he makes a really strong case. I mean, I, I will go ahead and put on the record that I have not paid for a casting director workshop since we've had that interview mm. because I, I just have a problem with it now. But at the same time, I, I do see how they're kind of a necessary evil. And I think Brian articulates this really well in his email. Um, should we just go ahead and read it? Uh, yeah, maybe not, maybe not the, the, <clears throat> the whole thing. Um, you know, because he says, you know, he knows that nine out of ten of the of the times you go to these workshops, you're just seeing assistants or associates, which is kind of one of the points that Billy makes in his interview. Um, but he does call that a double-edged sword, you know, because you, you build a relationship with these people who might end up becoming casting directors in the future. But he's also realizing, like what Billy says in his, his interview, that this that these things, these workshops, have become another gatekeeper slash speedboat right. slash obstacle. Yeah. But then he goes on to say, um, "Yeah, he goes on to say, as an actor and a small business owner, which we all are, his goal, our goal, our collective goal, is to get ourselves in front of those who will hopefully say yes." as much as possible, getting get ourselves in front of those people as much as possible, not people who say yes as much as possible. Um, and he says, whether that's an actual casting director, producer, director, or writer, whoever it is, our job is to get ourselves in front of them. That may come in the form of workshops, Brian says, preferably as few as possible, um, but approaching it as a business investment and in marketing research gives us the mindset to be more selective with exactly who we put ourselves in front of and that way we maximize the potential return on that investment. Yeah. So what he's really saying here is just to be smart about it. Do your research and make sure that these are people that you 
are uh, getting in front of for a very specific reason, not just because you want to feel like you're doing something for your career, which is what I spun my wheels doing that for years. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd just be like, oh, yeah, cast director workshops. And I picked the first one that was coming up and I just went, not realizing that not only was I not right for that show, but this was a casting director who was not known for bringing people in ever. So I just wasted, kind of wasted my money. Yeah. I don't think that guy remembered me from anybody else in that workshop or I don't, you know, I don't think it worked out at all for anybody, which is the, for him. Right. Which is the exact scenario that Billy is so against. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, thanks for writing in Brian and really appreciate the two cents as you say at the end of your email. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's actually really, this is an awesome, speaking of segues, this is an awesome segue because Eric has two questions and his second question, I think, plays really well off of what Brian wrote in. Mm-hmm. And Eric basically asks, or he, he basically says, he knows that everyone's journey is unique and we, we kind of demonstrate that on the podcast with all the interviews. But he says, what would a general kind of template be for the different kinds of jobs someone might pursue? And then he puts in parentheses, background to student films to indie stuff like that and what i'm guessing he's going for is kind of like what's the progression look like mm-hmm. and what's a what's mm-hmm. a, a general kind of plan that 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 might be kind of widely accepted and you know my i'm not sure what it's like for you aj but my my agent is a is very much for paid cast and director workshops mm-hmm. and he doesn't have any you know backdoor deals or anything with anybody but he's seen them work over and over again. Yeah. And I've shared this in the show before. The first workshop I went to when I first got to LA, some kind of weird looking guy who probably gets cast as a crack addict all the time. Uh, I just started talking to him during one of the breaks and, and he said, uh, he said, Hey, you, are you like, how you doing? Like are you from around this area or something? He was just being nice. Mm-hmm. And I, I said, Oh, you know, I just moved to LA. It's my first casting director workshop. And he said, Oh man. He goes, uh, you have an agent? And I said, yeah, I, I, I think at the time I did, it was somebody else. And he said, um, he said, uh, he said, you know, I don't have an agent, but I do these workshops all the time. He's like, and I work, he's like, you don't need an agent. He's like, you just need to get yourself out there in front of these people. Hmm. And I remembered that. Yeah. I remembered that when there are people that are like, don't do these things. They're a rip off. And I have a lot of friends who refuse to do them. And I, I get that. But I always think back to that guy who said, I don't have an agent and I still get work Yeah, because I'm constantly putting myself in front of the right people. Yeah. You know, it, there's no right path, you know, and we've said that on the podcast before and, and Eric's question is kind of, you know, what does a basic template, you know, look like? And the thing is, is that, that that's the crazy thing about this business is there is no template. There's like literally no such thing. I mean, you know, you could you could argue that someone who is trying to work in film and television goes from, you know, co-star to guest star to recurring to series regular to series lead. Like you could argue that that is a television That's path. That's the progression, yeah. That that is the progression. But the thing is, is like not everyone's journey looks like that. There, there I mean, there are people whose journeys do look like, look look that way, but 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 not not everyone and that that's the sort of television path so there's a there's a path in in voiceover there's a path in commercials there's a path in features you know so there's mm-hmm. i mean you know, i was just talking to my girlfriend about this who's getting conflicting advice which is makes actually conflicting advice makes sense in this you know instance where you know she's getting advice like oh you know you, you shouldn't be uh seeking representation right now because 
you know, you don't have any credits. So you should be doing these casting director workshops so that you can get into some co-star stuff and da 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 and then build up credits and go look for representation. And then on the other side of things, you could say, well, if you don't have any representation, you're not getting in front of casting directors for any better you know, parts. And it could really, you know, what my manager's uh, POV is, is, you know, you can be seen as like, oh, the co-star person or the under five person. And they only call you in for those types of parts. Right. You know what I mean? You become a workshop actor, which is something Billy articulated. Right. So it's, there's, there isn't, there is no right path, you know, and we, and, and we're only including the casting director workshop as part of, uh, part of this discussion because of what Brian brought up in his email, but you could even remove the casting director workshops from the what's my path or what's an actor's path conversation. And there would still be a million different ways to go about it. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, I think the more I'm in this industry, the more I I realize that all it is, is trust. People will hire you when they trust that you can do a bang up job. I really think that's all it comes mm. down to. You know, when you when you're getting in front of casting directors, what are you doing? You're you're basically showing them that you can be trusted with the job. And then as you get more and more work, basically more and more people in higher and higher places trust that you will do that you're a smart investment. You know, so I think that's really what was at the heart of it. Yeah, I know I know so many people who have never set foot on a stage. Yeah. You know, and work all the time. Whereas you and I have done tons of theater and almost all of our relationships have come from that. You know, I have my manager because of that. I have my agent because of that. I have, uh, relationships. Well now with the people, you know, with Heather's like I'm working with a, a director who directs feature films all the time. And he, and he's, um, you know, he's directing and, and producing, a um, that show live and Maddie for, for Disney channel. Like, um, you know, there are people, there are people work who work all the time and never set foot on a stage. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's their path. And then this is my path. And, you know, so there might be, you know, I remember us thinking back, I remember us giving the advice, like if you come to Los Angeles and you like theater, you know, find a theater company and get yeah. involved and get on stage. And that could be, you know, potential way of getting in front of people and yada, yada, yada. Yeah, it could be, unless it's not like, <laughs> you know, there's no, yeah. there's no, there's no wrong way to eat a Reese's. Ugh, ooh. Thanks for that, man. Now I, now you really now want I need a Reese's. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, there's a million different ways to establish trust. And I think I'm having a little bit of a mini epiphany right now. I think if that's the focus is just to build trust with everybody that you meet, trust in your work, trust in your character, your, your, the actor's physical or, um, emotional stature as a person. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean by character. Not like a character that you would play, but your character, meaning what do you like to work with? on an 18 hour day and mm, sub freezing mm-hmm. temperatures, you know, whatever scenario you might be called into, what are the different ways you can build that trust? You could go the Brit Marling route and just co-write a feature and shoot it and get it into Sundance and then get all this, you know, great stuff after that. Yeah, easy. Or you could, you could, you know, we can go ahead and segue to Eric's first question, which is about background work. You could start at background and then work your way up from there somehow. I mean, however you can just show people that you're, uh, hardworking and uh, a good person, and you've got a little bit of talent. Yeah, just keep at it with that. Yeah, I think. And, and, and Eric's, uh, by the way, Eric's um, 
you know, first question about background work, he, he basically says, you know, he's heard us advise people not to do it on the, on the podcast. He's wondering why for more than a month. He says, yeah, don't do background work for more than a month. We yeah. said, I guess. And he, he, he then goes on to say all the reasons, you know, why, you know, one, why we might actually say, yeah, go for it. Because he says, I, I've had a blast so far. I've learned a ton on set. I have no grand expectations of being discovered, quote unquote, um, doing this or trying to put any of it on my resume. It's for me. It's just experience making money, getting union vouchers. You know, if if I do get union vouchers, um, is there something I don't understand? No, you, you understand all of it, Eric. Like that's that's it. As long as you have those expectations, then do it. As long as it makes sense for you. Um, just make sure that you're also working to do more than that. If you want to do more than that, there are people who, who do exclusively black background work in Los Angeles. Like that's their job. Mm-hmm. They show up every single day to a different set and they just do background work constantly. And that's like, you know, it, it's like they're, they're, they're bread and butter and they have no aspirations to do anything else. And that's great. Like for, for them, if you do have aspirations to do other things, just make sure that you're working on those. But yeah. Yeah. Eric, your expectations are are right on. So if you want to keep doing that, that's great. You know, what what we what we're likely referring to when we say, you know, don't do it longer than a month are the people who are like the opposite of your expectations. People who think they're either going to be discovered or they think that it's something they can if they do it enough, they can put it in their resume. Or uh, you know, they think that they're actually getting um you know, uh, 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 real experience of being in front of a camera and they're not doing any, you know, on camera classes or doing something else to, you know, so, uh, your expectations are, are right on par. So you can essentially do it as long as you're enjoying it, I guess. Yeah. You know, I, I'm thinking back to Jen Lilly's interviews. <clears throat> she had something, um, awesome to say about this. I won't rephrase it here, but I think those are good interviews to reference, especially in the context of this question. She talked a lot about. I seem to remember that. Yeah. She talked a lot about uh, about basically tracking your career and Kevin West's interviews as well. Mm. Um, so anybody listening who's kind of curious on this, both of those guests had a lot of great stuff to say. Not only about this particular thing, like doing background work, and is there something I should know about why, how long I should do it or not do it, but. Uh, more specifically tracking your career and mm-hmm. seeing how effective is this? Is this moving me closer to my goals? Uh, and both of those people, Jen and Kevin come from a very, um, smart mindset. Mm-hmm. They, they just, you know, it's all about efficiency and effectiveness and yeah. Yeah. And they, they know what they're doing and they're talking about. So yeah, <clears throat> cool. So we, uh, get to roll into part two of our chat with the X-Man. Mr. Tony Horton. God, this was so awesome. Here's part two, guys. Enjoy it, and we'll catch you on the other side. So how how long were you doing the acting thing and the personal training thing before something had to give or you met some I know you said you met Carl like what what how long were you going and then when was that that turning point Well you know the whole fitness thing for me kind of kicked in around the early 80s and I think I started training people around the mid 80s and so I was training people in mid 80s 90s uh, you know, that was about a 15 year process. So, so at the same time I was doing the acting class and the auditions all about that same time. Mm-hmm. And then a, a friend of mine, um, 
uh, who worked for Prince, who was in one, one of the production guys at, uh, up in Minneapolis, also worked with Nordic Track. And Nordic Track was out of out of Minneapolis, and so uh, he, you know, he talked to some of the executives at Nordic Track and said, "Look, I've got." They were trying to find their next guy, you know, for their for their infomercials and also for their instructional videos. So when you buy one of their pieces of equipment, you can kind of. Hi, I'm Tony Horton for the line of Nordic Track Fitness Equipments. We've got something really straight, really, you know, really dull. Right, I couldn't right. do any of the funny stuff and be silly. They just wanted to be really conservative. So I flew back and forth to Minneapolis about six times and did those. And I remember, I remember being so nervous. I mean, sh- lying in bed, eyes wide open, shaking, freaking out. Like, you know, my old acting coach would say, actors are most unhappy under two conditions. One, when they're not working. Two, when they're working. Right, right. <laughs> He's the same guy who said, if you want to have that not be part of your, you know, your, your personal uh, mantra as an actor, go find something else you love as much. And so that was a neat mm-hmm. thing about me. I had the acting thing, but I also had this training thing that, I mean, I wanted to be a famous actor. I wanted to be on TV. I thought that was important. You know, we were talking about this the other day. Like all the things I thought were super important. And now that I kind of have them, it's all smoke and mirrors. Mm-hmm. The fame, fame is lame. Fame is the most lame part of the whole process. You have to, you know, you've got it. The minute you walk out your door, your hair's got to look good. Your skin's got to look good. Your clothes got to look good. I mean, everything about, because you're going to go out in the general public. These people buy your products. And when they meet you, it's not like they've seen you in a movie or a TV show. You, they have changed. They have literally changed mind, body, spirit. From day one through day ninety, so they want to. They think you're, you're you're their best friend because they see you every day in the house, uh-huh. and in the process, they're feeling better. <clears throat> so, thank the Lord, I have this sort of this this really strong desire to want to meet people and to talk people and, and to hang out with them and hear their story. I just love it. I mean, it's not work for me. You know, people mm. say, "Don't you get tired of everybody coming up to you and asking you for your autograph and blah blah blah?" No, man. I mean, these people's lives—they they got up at six a.m. and did friggin' yoga for ninety minutes. And I'm going to be a dick <laughs> to these to these folks. There's oh, no amen. way. There's amen. no way. That's awesome. There's no it. way. You know what I mean? <laughs> so you know, if you're listening to this and you're a young actor and things turn out pretty well for you, for you, keep in mind that the people that are buying those tickets and watching your show are the reason why you got that gig, mm-hmm. not because you've got all this talent. You know, what I mean, I'm sure you do. You know, but the fact of the matter is, when you run into your fans, your job, part of your job, is to be incredible with these folks and just mm-hmm. say hello and look them in the eye and sign those autographs and take the picture i mean i was i was scrambling for a flight i was trying to get to colorado springs last week and this guy wanted to stop me right there and i thought oh my god you know what i mean and i it was like one of the very rare times where i said i can't right now man i'm so sorry i wish i could i'm scrambling right now and he had this look on his face like oh, oh my god I'm i almost, totally wa- almost wanted to miss my plane hmm. and i thought about it the whole day i thought I could have taken 30 seconds for this guy. I could have. I should have. Hmm. I kind of beat myself up about it. But, but you know, it's, it's, you know, you want this stuff. You want the power and you want the money and you want the fame. But it's not about that. It's about the process. It's about yeah. working with actors on a great project. It's, you know, that's what it's about. You know, actors should be, you know, down when they're not working. But when they're working, they should be fired up, upbeat, super cool, great to work with, ready to go. You know what I mean? These prima donna scumbags who get a TV series and all of a sudden they feel like they can treat everybody like shit. Are you kidding me? What you need to be is drop kicked, man. Get your head out of your ass and start treating people right. And that's and that's how you know. Look at Ron Howard. Look at Tom Hanks. Yeah. Look at guys in this yeah. industry who have had you know a, a long run. It's because they're good people. 
Yeah. You know, and you see a lot of people, I'm not going to mention their names, we know who they are, who have all this talent and they piss it away because they got some money in the bank or whatever it is or they're, they're hooked on some crap that's making them turn, turn them into idiots. Yeah. yeah. But I digress. Um, <laughs> you know, but so for me, anyway, to get to, the, get to that answer, I, you know, I was uh, just a guy, just a trainer who had this opportunity and I went to Minneapolis and I got my, you know, it was, it was really interesting, scary, but I managed to pull it off. I said to myself, I'm going to go up there as prepared as I can be. And I'm not going to be so attached to the outcome. I'm going to be in the moment. I'm going to take that Daryl Hickman stuff. I mean, even though this is kind of rote fitness stuff, I'm just going to do what I know, you know. And uh, did I do it in the first take? No, not necessarily. Um, but I was learning how to walk and talk and chew gum and read a teleprompter all at the same time. And uh, it was a great learning experience, man. And uh, and then I went back to my regular life. I was still, you know, auditioning and training people and getting up early and driving all over town and, you know, training celebrities and, and, and regular, you know, executive mm-hmm. types as well. Uh, and then my next opportunity came, uh, the Playboy channel asked me to do, uh, I auditioned for this thing called Playboy 360. And it was just like Entertainment Tonight or, or uh, any, any uh, um, extra or those kind of shows that you'd see after the nightly news. But we, it was a little bit more risque. You know, it was a lot more about, about naked girls <laughs> than it was about you know, political things. Um, well, or that's why we get active. Playboy for the articles, you know. Absolutely, yeah, man. The There's articles. so many. There are. I mean, honestly, yeah. I just rip the, I rip out the nude pictures and just throw them away. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't even know use for that. <laughs> but it was really great because I had a co-host now and I had three cameras. I had a three-camera show. So you know, you start on camera one, you turn to your co-host, you go to two, you go back to your co-host, and you finish on three, right? Wow. And it was, you know, I remember that. Never forget the first time they loved, you know, the whole vibe and everything I was doing, and and I and I wasn't really funny yet. But I, I could kind of play with my co-host. It was uh, actually, actually Shannon Tweed's sister that was my co-host. And she was funny and she was pretty comfortable. And she really helped me. And uh, we did, I don't know, we did like two seasons, 30-something shows. And, oh, my God, what an amazing. I mean, and then they realized, you know, that I could do some silly stuff. So every show opened with a sketch. Every every show ended with a sketch. They had, you know, Tony Sings the Oldies. Just had all kinds of funny bits. And it was a super popular show with the prison population, apparently. I don't know. It's <laughs> <laughs> so you got that going for you, which is nice. That is so nuts because it almost sounds like when you said three camera and they let you be kind of goofy, it almost sounds like to me, immediately my head's like, ah, oh, it almost sounds like the universe was kind of like, if I get a little woo-woo there, the universe is almost grooming you for Absolutely. what was to come. Absolutely, man. And well, between I, that and the Nordic thing, yeah, between that and the Nordic thing, and I mean, it almost sounds like it was just setting you up, and it was just a matter of time before this this kind of whole thing hit for you. Yeah, because there was no way on God's earth I could have ever anticipated the success of of Power ninety. Uh, well, initially it was Great Body Guaranteed. It was this really you know inexpensive little fifteen minute workout thing I did with a, with another trainer named Debbie Siebers. And, you know, did the Nordic Track gig, got the, you know, did the, the 360 gig. They all came and went. And there I was back again training people and, and going on auditions and getting an occasional gig. You know, then I went off to, I went off to Canada and I was up there for three and a half months uh, on 13th Warrior training these actors, doing a couple of bit parts. And it was just kind of went like that, you know? you know. And like a lot of actors, you get a gig, the gig's over, you hang out, you wait for the next one, you audition, and hopefully you get another one. Right. But for me, it was, I think one of the critical pieces and one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast today was you never, ever, ever know where it's going to come from. Never, ever know. And it'll come in the craziest moments and the weirdest ways. It, you know, it doesn't always necessarily come in a traditional way where agent calls, go meet the casting director, do your audition, you know, 
get the gig, show up at the gig, director likes you, you know, puts you, he, he remembers you and puts you in his next movie. That's kind of the traditional way. So what happens a lot of times with a lot of young actors is, is that they think, all right, well, then I can kind of blow everything else off and kind of focus on the traditional way of doing things. But, but you know, life is, is a series of networking, you know, networks with different people from different things, you know, whether they be an attorney or a firefighter or a cop. I know so-and-so who knows somebody. Anyway, the point I wanted to make was that, you know, because I was struggling so much a lot in my personal life with relationships, with finances and, and building my business, I wasn't really, you know, I was just winging it, man. I was winging it day after day. I just mm-hmm. felt, I guess I had a lot of good luck. <clears throat> I, I stayed mostly off the most drugs and alcohol at that point. When I was finally training, it, I was more focused. I was eating better. I was exercising and I, was, I wasn't effing off as much. You know, I was getting to bed at a reasonable hour. I wasn't in clubs till 2 o'clock in the morning anymore. You know, I just thought, i got to grow up and be responsible here because I need to be sharp. I need to have energy. And so, um, and at that point, I was reading one of the books I was reading, and I, I wish I could remember the title of the book, but it had these lessons at the end of every chapter. Lessons that forced you to do stuff that you normally just would never do in a million years. And one of the lessons at the end of this book was uh, pretty simple. Some of them were more complicated. We had to kind of really write down your dreams and aspirations and, and, and everything and, and then follow through with phone calls or whatever or meet people at, you know, network. This one was simple. It said, go out of your way and do something extraordinary with somebody you're in conflict with. Wow. Go do something extraordinary for somebody that you're in conflict with. And, you know, they're going to think you're crazy. They're not going to, not going to reciprocate. None of that stuff. We just go and do it and don't be attached to the outcome. So I remember reading that, I think the night before that morning, and I played a regular, I was in a regular basketball league with a bunch of attorneys. <clears throat> I was the only non-attorney. So it was funny because these guys, they were all in the same firm and, you know, so somebody would say, would, would foul, foul, what? And there'd be like a 25 minute debate about it, right? I'd say, oh my God, these guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just classic, That's you know? actually, yeah. And there was this one, one guy who was kind of, you know, sort of the, the alpha dog there, uh, Big guy, over, a little bit overweight, but pretty good athlete. You know what I mean? And uh, and if you were not on his team, then you took a lashing. You know what I mean? And if you were if if you were on his team and you didn't pass the ball or missed the shot, he just gave you a bunch of crap. You know? And I just thought, man, this guy's a butthead. You know? And we'd always butt heads, the two of us, typically. Not we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't actually, you know, fight each other. But there was a lot of verbal back and forth. <clears throat> and uh, so we're in between games. And we happened to be in the same team for this particular game, and we won the game. So he was in a pretty good mood. And um, like a bolt of lightning, that thing popped into my head. Go out of your way and do something extraordinary with somebody you're in conflict with. Now, here's a guy that I wouldn't say two words to, wouldn't call, wouldn't hang out with, wouldn't, have, wouldn't grab a beer with. Had nothing in common with this guy. Didn't like him. <clears throat> his, name was, his name was Ben, and um, he ran a pretty big company. And I thought, all right. And at that time, and the only reason why it popped into my head is because he was complaining about his weight. He said, man, if I got rid of these 15, 20 pounds, the whole process of playing ball would be a lot easier for me. It wouldn't be dragging my fat ass up and down the, the court, you know. And so I thought, do something extraordinary for somebody you're in conflict yeah. with. Well, I don't like him. So what I thought I would do is I'd go up to him and say, hey, you know, uh, I'm a trainer. I can help you with that. But, of course, in my mind, it came out like this. Hi, Ben. I know you think I'm a dork and I don't have as much money and success as you and your lawyer friends, but I'm a trainer. I train Tom Petty, you know, and Billy Idol, and they're doing good. And and uh, if you train with me, I can help you lose that weight, you know. But it came out more like, hey, man, I mean, I don't know if you're a trainer, but I can help you lose that weight. And I thought he would say, you know, no, thanks. I'm fine. I'm good. You 
don't need your help. Mm. But he said, you know, wow, that's, that's, wow. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. What's your number? I gave him my number, thinking he wouldn't call. Came home, message on the machine. Hey, when, I'd love to do it. When can you start? I, I can kind of do Monday, Wednesday morning. Wednesday, Wednesday. I can do Monday, Wednesday, Fridays at 8 a.m. And I had that slot open because somebody had just bailed. I thought, oh, my God, I'm going to have this guy at my house who I don't really like. This is going to be weird. But I wanted the money, you know. And he showed up, and it was awkward a little bit. And it was for all business, you know. And then after about a week or two, we discovered that we had a lot in common, that we were a lot alike. I mean, it's always the case. People usually don't like probably a lot like you, you know. Hmm. Uh, note to self. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. And uh, so year into the relationship, training the guy, you know, just like other clients, he says to me, I'm hiring this new guy for our company. His name is Carl Deichler. He created 8-Minute Abs. We think he's pretty talented. He's from Philly. We're going to fly him out here. You guys got to meet. You're so much alike. It's crazy. You have the same nutty sense of humor. Uh, I'm going to bring him over for a workout. Carl showed up. Oh, my God. Just a funny, funny, funny good dude. You know, just we really got got along right away. So um, Carl and Ben, you know, uh, uh, would come over and work out. I work work them both out. And then... uh, uh, during that time is when I went off to Canada and did the 13th Warrior. And, and Carl said, you got to write up a program for me. Like, well, can you write, write something up for me? And I said, yeah, sure. So I just wrote, you know, you push-ups and pull-ups and sit-ups and then do cardio and blah, 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 and five days a week and go, you know. I came back from Canada and I saw him and I said, holy smokes, man. You look insane. What, what were you doing? I always did that program you gave me, the one that you wrote out for wow. me. So he was really diligent about it on his yeah, own. Yeah, on his own wow. without me. And he and Ben would, would do it on their own. They, they would just you know find time to do it uh, without wow. me. But he stuck with it. And uh, he said, we have to do a video, you and I. I mean, you know, I'm doing pantyhose that don't run videos for Ben. And I want to do you know fitness. I'm, a, I'm the eight-minute eight minute app guy. I want to be able to do something with you. So he just did a little side gig called uh, Great Body Guaranteed. They bought these... Uh, one and two minute slots, these wild wild spots all over the country, you know, Miami, you know, Poughkeepsie, New York, Dallas, Texas, you know, Seattle, Washington, whatever. They just, they roll the dice, they'd spend five grand, <gasps> they made eight. Ooh, made eight, let's spend six. Six made, made 12. 12, let's spend 10. 10 made 14. So it kept wow. going in the right direction. Wow. Which was crazy. And then we bought a couple of national spots, which were super expensive. So we went from spending, you know, whatever, five grand a month to 50, 60, 70 grand. I mean, I'm sorry, in a week, wow. which for us was a, was a big deal, you know. Now, was, Beach, was Beachbody an actual company at this Beachbody point? Beachbody was called Product Partners at the time. Okay. And, and uh, yeah. it was Product Partners, which was the corporate name, and the Beachbody was sort of the public name. At that point, Carl uh, said to Ben, you know, I want to go off on my own. And, and, uh, and the guys over at Guthy Renker, it was Guthy Renker, which they do proactive and a bunch of other, yeah, you know, they've yeah. got some of the top infomercials in the country, typically. I said, yeah, you know, rent rent, rent this office space, which is the size of this tiny room. What is this room? The room's like 13 by 13. That was Carl, Carl's office. And Carl hired Ben's college roommate from UCLA because he had just gotten back from Europe from a photo journalism tour. And he was a teacher. You know, John was a teacher, and he said, "Hey, man, let me show you the business." And John said, "This will be a cool gig. We'll see what we can do." You know, and now they're both multimillionaires, so it turned out wow well for everybody. And um, so we did. We did great body guaranteed. Anyway, to make a long story good, from that uh, was Power Ninety. Carl said, "Let's take it to the next level. What does it take? 
you know, what's that thing you do with Springsteen and you do with Petty and Idol? Mm. You're kind of doing cardio one day and then weights. Can you recreate that in front of a in front of a TV set without all, without all, without all the stuff? You know. And I said, sure, absolutely. So I developed that for him, and and we kind of didn't have enough money to actually shoot the DVDs. So what we ended up doing was we shot these practice DVDs for for our test group, so they could have them if they didn't make the test group. And we didn't have enough money for production to make a real fancy high end one. So that's what everybody got. You know, we put some graphics graphics at the bottom, and everybody got these practice DVDs with just some really crappy lighting. And I was wearing some stupid little shorts and. Uh, and no makeup, and, and it was what it was. And the thing, uh, first year tanked. Nobody bought it. Power 90 did? Power 90 tanked. Wow. Because no one had seen an infomercial that had said, a fitness infomercial that said, <clears throat> we want you to work out six days a week and eat right. You know, before <laughs> it was like a three days a week, 10 minutes a day, yeah, 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 a bunch of crap. You know? Right. And and the few people who had the cojones to, to buy this thing, to try it, who thought, this looks, this looks authentic, this looks real. Uh, got crazy, crazy results, and they started submitting their their video and their and their before and after pictures. And so we basically took their video and their B and As, and we put it in, in the brand new show the second year, and it exploded. It absolutely wow. exploded. Now, typically with direct marketing infomercial type shows, whether they be short form or long form, short form is you know anywhere from thirty seconds to two minutes. Long form is the full twenty eight minute infomercial. Right, right. That's twenty eight minutes. On a station, and you know whether you're if you're buying CBS, NBC, Fox, Saturday morning, that's big bucks, you know. So we're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars a week on on Power Ninety Media. I mean, you think about it, you know, a couple of guys that when we spent five the first time for Great Body Guaranteed, everybody was freaking out, you know what I mean? Wow, yeah. Um, and we got we had investors too that said that we think there's something here. We're going to help you guys out. And it was so bizarre because I lived in my apartment for 21 and a half years, 21 and a half years, 1438 15th Street, Santa Monica, 90404, no <laughs> 21 <laughs> years. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, wow. I get some new furniture that I would make or buy and, uh, you know, one roommate would come and go, another one would come and go. I mean, 21 years, a, cu- a couple of girlfriends came and go uh, out of there. And then I ended up expanding this, this the two bedroom apartment because the studio opened up, and I asked the landlord, you know, can I have the studio? So I had a three three bedroom Santa Monica rent control apartment, thinking I was doing pretty good. And then Power ninety blew up, and I was getting these royalty checks. <laughs> Man, that's when you knew you made it. You know what I mean? Because there you are, you're slaving away, you're still doing the carpentry, you're not, not doing the mime anymore, but you know, I'm still doing some handyman stuff, uh, still training people all day long. And then you do this little side project that, you know, that I, got, I think development-wise, I think Carl gave me a couple right. thousand bucks to develop the thing. But I thought, man, you know, getting a couple grand in the mail, that was that was sick. Uh, and it's not about the money, you know what I mean? But it certainly was freakish and fun to get the kinds of checks I, w- I was getting. Yeah, I bet. I now, mean, you know, you guys, you see this house, right? It's a pretty good joint right yeah so, i think you've done all right for yourself <laughs> yeah yeah you know no, and, and so you it. you know the checks it was just really weird to just finally say you know my accountant would say you got to get out of that apartment man you got to get you got to grow up you can afford a home your accountant said that to you yeah wow <laughs> what, a, what a weird thing to hear from an accountant i know well everybody was saying you know right. saying to get out of here out of that apartment right and so you know i mean i looked at about 40 houses and they were all just okay and i saw this place and the price tag was almost twice what I thought I could afford. But, I, you know, threw caution to the wind, and I got in by the, my chinny-chin-chin. Chin, and, and then uh, Power 90 started to tank again. 
And like so many young actors and actresses in this town, in New York for that matter, you get that big break, you get those big checks, you start buying the car, you start buying the bling, yeah. the big house. Your lifestyle and ups. Yeah, your yeah. lifestyle, everybody recognizes you, you're walking down the red carpet, people think you're the, you begin to believe you're your own press. And then the series gets canceled. Mm-hmm. And then you start screwing around doing things you weren't doing when you had the discipline as a young actor. And uh, and now you're not easy to work with. And now your asking price is too much because you're kind of a butthead. And so all of a sudden you've burnt all your bridges or your show's been canceled and you got that big ass nut and you don't know how to pay it. And that's, a, you know, working your way up is hard. Staying there, harder. Coming down, super easy. So what do you wow. do to try to prevent yourself from coming down? And so, you know, here I am in this house, this room that we're in, empty. Tile floors, yellow walls, storage area. This is where I used to keep all my crap that I didn't want to have in the house. This was a big, dumb, worthless room because hmm. I didn't have, couldn't afford to furnish it. The, the, the dining room, empty. The, the, my office, empty. This was a spare bedroom. Uh, and one of the bedrooms upstairs had just a spare bed, no furniture. I mean, you walk in every room and you'd go, hey, 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 what, what, what's going on? Yes, 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 nothing here. So it was kind of embarrassing, you know, to have that success and, and buy the big house. And I thought, oh, my God, you know. So the big, you know, Carl said, what's the next thing? You know, because the company, if I'm struggling, the company's struggling. Uh-huh. And, you know, the big debate was whether we, 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 we create a, a fitness DVD for the obese, because there was a hell of a lot of them in the country. Or take Peanut Power 90 and go to the next level. And we were, you know, debating between helping folks who really needed it and helping our customer base and maybe people who were going to the gym who wanted to kick ass in their house. And P90X won out. I mean, barely, but it won out. And again, that tanked. And I swear to God, I thought, I have to sell my house. P90X tanked? Sure. First year. Really? Oh, you took the Power 90 concept. Yeah, you got lucky there. Uh But now you're going to make it harder? Make the workouts <laughs> longer and make the food more more disciplined. Who are you kidding? Everybody in the right. industry said we were nuts. There's no shot. And and again, the few you know hardcores who were Power Ninety grads and other people who had been going to the gym and just thought they'd try something different started submitting their video and their before and after pictures. Wow. And uh, and we just took that stuff. You know, we did a little editing and put put it up there. And people at home went, Oh my God, that's that's me. That guy, that gal, that's me. And, oh my God. So the Power 90 checks were a joke compared to the P90X checks. You know, wow. They were even wow. more amazing. So, and now that was, uh, I was 46 at the time, 45 in development, 46 when I shot it. I'm 55 now. So close to 10 years ago, we were, we were putting that thing together. And wow. everybody knows what it is. It's, it's an iconic brand. You know, you say P90X, and most pe- people who you know know what that, like I said, know what that is. A lot of people think it's PX90, whatever they call it. <laughs> my dad calls it. Yeah, all the time. you got the PX90. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're doing that PX90. Oh man, I, you've changed my life. The PX90 is great. I've been changing your life. You're a damn liar because you don't even know what the heck it's called. Show me your pterodactyl backing out of trouble. You don't know what that is, then you do not own the product. You liar. Damn right. But from that, we've built. You know, we built uh, P90X2, and now we've just mm-hmm. finished. Uh, I've seen the uh, the teaser online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks pretty intriguing. It's friggin' cool, man. I, I you know, it's funny. I've been thinking 
because I, I haven't done P9X2 yet, but I can see the evolution of it. I'm like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But then I was kind of like, there's no way they're going to do P9X3 because there's nothing else out there. Like, what are they going to do? And then I saw all the speed stuff, and I was like, oh, I think I know what they're going for. So I'm super excited for Well, you know, whatever X2 uh, unfortunately didn't do as well as P90X, partly because a lot of people found it very frustrating because there's a lot of super highly skill-based exercises in it, stuff that super fit, strong folks with great bodies couldn't do four ball push-ups impossibles levers and we're talking yeah. about you know Cirque du Soleil meets uh, Olympic gymnast stuff not all of it you know what I mean and, uh, and mixed martial arts was a little bit more complicated and and so you know a lot of people who are who really really want to say okay I, I gotta mix this up I gotta go to the next level have to be okay it reminds me of acting right you're not gonna just go in there first take Right. Knock it out of the park. Right. You've got to get back in the game over and over and over again. P90X, a little bit more du- durable, doable for the for the average person. Obviously harder for people who have a lot of weight to lose, but still manage. Yeah. P90X2, it's it's weird. It'll mess with your ego, but that's the idea, right? That's the idea mm-hmm. it's supposed to. Yeah. <laughs> and so now with X3, there's agility, there's acceleration, deceleration, all these really funky, cool things. In my opinion, the future of fitness is, is speed, balance, and range of motion. I agree. Flexibility. It's it's not pumping iron and looking good in front of the mirror. It doesn't serve you. Not anymore. I think functional fitness is people are starting to really come around to that being what's really respectable about somebody. Anybody can go to the gym and get puffy and big and and have mm. you know. But it's like if you if you can perform, I think that people are starting to to get to catch on that that's yeah. what counts. Yeah. It's about getting better. It's yeah. about improving. It's about it's about. Um, becoming less vulnerable and, and more durable, not only during your workout, but just in life yeah. in general. Because, you know, at, at 55, it's really fun to be able to jump off cliffs on my skis. And and, and uh, I was doing a mud run in, in uh, Mammoth. I was the race marshal again this year. Uh, and I ran the race. And, you know, there's this, there's this platform. You have to jump on one of those giant, you know, stunt bags. So uh-huh. I just did a front flip just for the hell of it, you know. It's like... <laughs> Because I can. <laughs> because, you know, whatever. I mean, I landed yeah. on my ass. It wasn't like I, you know, stuck uh-huh. it or anything. But, you know, it was just fun to be able to have the the body awareness that comes yeah. from, from yeah. doing uh, speed, balance, and range of motion movements, functional movements. Yeah. You know, I, I know it is the last thing I'll say about P90X, but um, I, I've i seen a couple of interviews on YouTube and whatnot where people talk to you and they say, like, Tony, we love P90X. We love everything. But the yoga is so brutal. Like, it's so long or it's this or it's that. Mm. And I have to say, just kind of in defense of it, it has become my absolute favorite part of the workout because I'm really recognizing that the yoga and that kind of work is really the centerpiece. And all the other stuff, chest and back, all that, is almost like jewelry. Mm-hmm. It's almost like jewelry, mm-hmm. but the yoga is really where it's at. And I, I love that, that that's where Beachbody and your work is going as well. Well, you know, the new one's got Pilates as well. So we've Sweet. added one, one more version, and I'm just absolutely horrible at it. So it was actually yeah. the one the one routine that I had to do over and over and over again. And in the process of rehearsing it and doing it and learning it, uh, you get better. You get better physically, mentally, and emotionally. Yeah. And it's about range of motion. It's about flexibility. It's about it's about durability, like I said. And uh, most people are all just trying to pump up their, their, their arms and their chest and stuff. Yeah, uh, and that's certainly better than smoking crack, you know. But you might as well, if you know more, you might as well do more. And yeah. a lot of people don't. And 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 it's almost as if, you know, people. Uh, I don't care if it's cl- climate change or fracking or 
or politics or, or, or acting technique if you're stuck in this kind of um, myopic view then you're not going to become a better actor you're not going to become a better performer mm-hmm. you know you've got to and that's the only I mean I started going to mixed martial arts classes I started taking Pilates I started going to yoga and I've, I've you know I've opened up my repertoire uh, and it makes it more interesting I have to be relevant I've got to be I've got to be up to date I've got to be ahead of the game there's a lot of young kids coming up that that uh, you know want to take my job so if i have more variety and more techniques and and more uh uh, modifications um then you know they can they can fight Mm -hmm. crawl and try to keep up but i'm you know i'm always trying to stay ahead of the curve and you're right about yoga so many people just oh they look at that yoga and they'll do kempo instead or do they'll do another stretch program instead Mm -hmm. but you're right it really is it's the glue to the whole program if you do that and you work at that and you get better at that then your range of motion improves, your strength improves, um, your you know everything about your general fitness, your balance. I mean, it's really that's the beautiful thing about yoga. There's so many, there's so many levels, mm-hmm. and you don't get with cardio. It's cardio. With weights, it's weights. With core, which is awesome, you need it. You have to have it. It's just core. Yoga is all that stuff, yeah. except for the cardio part. But it's really that's why it's so magical. Hello, welcome back to Culver City. It's nice and quiet. The leaf blowers have left. I think they, got, I think they heard Tony's voice and got scared. Yeah. Ran away. Water break. Just kidding. Fight for scissors. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, Somebody, no, yeah. I already have to lift this heavy object and blow leaves around. I don't want to yeah. do more work. Um, yeah. Gosh. What a nice, what a nice yeah. guy. You know, I said it before. This guy is famous and successful for all the right reasons. He's got his feet on the ground. He's, you know, it was so cool to hear him. And I think it was, apologies to our listeners, we don't always listen to the interview right before we start recording this second segment. So um, I'm saying I think he said this in this segment, but I don't remember. Because it's been a little while since I've, I've heard this interview again. But um, when he said, you know, the the... The joy is not in kind of like, for him, it's not in like reaping the rewards. It's not in like buying fancy cars and houses. It's about creating. Mm. I was like, yeah, this guy's got it figured out. <laughs> when he was like, you know, it's just, that's not any fun. He's like, you put it out there, you market it. He's like, so what? He's like, the joy is in creating. He's like, that's when you're doing something meaningful. That's when you're, when you're making something. And I was yeah. like, you are like just... Awesome! <laughs> yeah, was, oh, was Trevor, Trevor fanboy moment. You could totally hear how starstruck I was. My my buddy uh, Nathaniel listened to it, and he was like, "I could totally hear that you were like all starstruck." In the beginning. <laughs> and I was, I was. It was cool. Uh, it was cool. Yeah. It was cool to watch. <laughs> you, I mean, <laughs> oh, it was great. And P ninety X three coming out in December. What? what? Yeah, y'all should uh, go ahead and check that out if you get a chance. You know, we'll just stick a link on the website. The, P90X3. The, Does it's, that mean it's it, triple X? It's triple X. I'm the guy uh, with the puns. <laughs> it's 30 minutes a day, dude. 30 <laughs> minutes a day. It's accelerated training. It looks cool. It looks cool. Mm. And like I said earlier, I think Tony actually like came from that shoot when we saw him. Because I remember him... Um, Oh no! You know what? No, because he had just been shooting something with uh, yeah, the shooting like Mike, some comedy. Mike Chang or yeah. Mike Chang that that other internet six pack shortcuts guy. Yeah, been shooting yeah, something yeah. Else. But he was wearing the same thing that day that he wears in these P ninety X three videos. 
I don't know. It's just kind he of cool. only owns workout clothes these days. Yeah, right, That's it. right. Two of our podcast guests are going to be delivering some kind of inspirational speeches or something at a conference in Las Vegas at the end of October. Yeah. Caduce, Philippe, and Tony. On not giving Horton. up or something like yeah, that. And yeah. And then um, uh, Tony Shea is going to be part of it as well. For those of you who don't know Tony Shea, I would love to have him on the podcast someday. Uh, he started uh, Zappos.com. Um, oh, that's really, really cool. Guy. I have his book over yeah, there. Yeah, What's the book called? Something about happiness. Delivering happiness. Delivering happiness. Yes. It's a great book. So yeah, really great. Yeah. Book. Yeah. So anyway, uh, great lineup. If you're in Vegas or you want to go to Vegas for a weekend, um, end of October, go they'll, see, they'll be there. Tony and Q and tell them we said hello. Yeah. 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 I was like, I, I looked at that lineup and I was like, Trevor, you and I get to acknowledge ourselves for having two of those people. On our yeah. Podcast. Yeah. So, yeah, cool. um, yeah. So for you, Tony Horton fans or Caduce fans, go yeah. check that out. Yeah. For sure. So, P.O.T. dubs. P.O.T. dubs. P.O.T. dubs. Pot dub. I'm going to make Heather's the film my pick of the week this week. If you are a fan of Mean Girls, you will be a fan of Heather's because it is essentially the predecessor to every high school bullying uh, movie, every like high school dark comedy, every high school. It's not, even though it's a high school movie in the 80s, it couldn't be further from John Hughes. It is not John Hughes. So if you're a fan of like Breakfast Club and 16 Candles and Pretty in Pink and stuff, don't go in expecting that because uh, it's not that. But it is... It is a it is really interesting to go back and watch this film now that the lines from the film have like worked their way into our common voc- vocabulary and vernacular like people quote it without even knowing it mm. um, and uh, it is like I said the f- predecessor and the foundation for all of these other films and uh, Dan waters who wrote the original uh, uh, Heathers his brother directed Tina Fey's screenplay he directed oh cool uh mean girls so there's like this weird like sibling rivalry thing and he actually was there uh the mean girls director was at dan's brother was there on opening night as well so there's this really interesting like uh family rivalry history thing going on there because i mean i i thought mean girls was fantastic it was really well done really well written um, you know, I thought Tina Fey did like an amazing job and I thought all those actors did an amazing job, but, um, Heather's is much darker and it's also, like I said, the, the, the predecessor to all of these things. So, mm. um, it's on Netflix. Um, so if you have a Netflix subscription, you can watch it for free and, okay. um, so yeah, it's streaming on Netflix. Okay. Yes. Awesome. Yes. Sweet. All right. Well, my, uh, pick of the week piggybacks off my last pick of the week. So my last pick of the week was that documentary, I Am, mm-hmm. by Tom Shadiak, and he is the director, the writer and director, and I think producer of Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, <laughs> and uh, he also did the second one, and he also directed The Nutty Professor, and Liar Liar, and Bruce Almighty, and Evan Almighty, and he's produced a bunch of great stuff. Um, I think I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry, he produced, and anyway... Dude made a ton of money. I told the whole story last time. The documentary is awesome. Uh, but he also, I found out this past week, wrote a book. And the book is called Life's Operating Manual. Oh. And it was only five bucks for the Kindle. So I just went ahead and got it and started reading it. And it is so profound uh, that I, I can't help but not only like love this guy, but 
declare like 100% we're getting him on the show. We are <laughs> yes. getting him on the podcast. He has got it figured out and it is the most inspiring kind of it's it's I would even go and say it's like it's paradigm. It's a paradigm shift. And he, it's just really great. So I've talked about Daniel Quinn before. I have all of Daniel Quinn's books. He's uh-huh. one of my favorite writers. Ishmael is my, one of my favorite books. Life changing for me. It shifted everything about the way I view the world and, and mankind's role in the world. So not everything in this book is new to me, but hearing it again, phrased a different way is really great. And then also he takes it a step deeper and he talks about, you know, basically just how we, Oh God, I can't even begin. It's, it's a fantastic book and I'm only halfway through it and it's just great. And one of the things he does, this is a convention that Daniel Quinn does too. It's kind of a philosophy book in this way. He'll have a dialogue with himself. So the way Daniel Quinn sets this up is I would describe Daniel Quinn's books as like anthropology, anthropological philosophy, but in a fictional format. Um, so for instance, Ishmael is a, a guy who responds to an ad in a newspaper and finds that there's a huge gorilla that put the ad in the newspaper and the gorilla's telepathically communicating with the guy and he basically educates the guy on on how mankind is um, basically affecting the world. And it's really mind-blowing stuff. Okay. Um, but it becomes this kind of Socratic dialogue. It's kind of call-and-answer thing that happens in that book. And um, Tom Chadiak does the same thing in this book, except he has a dialogue between fear and truth. And it's really, it's really powerful stuff. So I cannot recommend this book enough. Uh, Life's Operating Manual. There's a link on our website. Again, it's by Tom Shadiak, future IAP guest. Yes. And uh, yeah, I mean, shit. It's it's uh, it's one of those things that the more people that read it, this kind of stuff, the more the quicker we'll get to a tipping point where we will figure out how to live sustainably on this planet, and we will figure out how to feed everybody and we will figure out how to stop fighting and start creating a financial system that works for everybody and a healthcare system that works for everybody. And it's just epic, man. And he talks about all those things in detail and it's, it's surprisingly simple as most profound things are. Hmm. So yeah. Yeah. I love, I was going to say, I love that. Um, uh, I love that we can sit here and talk about the fact that the guy who like directed nutty professor also wrote this like really profound, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, profound book. That's the best part, man. That is the best part. It's so cool. Well, he, I he, just bought it. Yeah. Oh, you did? Sweet. Yeah. You're going to love it, man. You're going to love it. And he talks about, uh, he talks about how much he got paid for these films. He got 140,000 for Ace Ventura. That was his first, like, you know, before he became big. And then uh-huh. that movie grossed over a hundred million at the box office. Oh my God. So his next film, I think he got paid 2 million and all the way up to 30 million for, I think, Evan Almighty. That was his, and he said, he says in the book, he's like, now he's like, people don't just come along and give me this money. He's like, I had to ask for it. He's like, and I totally did. He's like, I went and I said, I'm the director. My vision is the most important vision. I do the most work. I'm the most valuable piece of this project. I get the biggest cut. And he asked for it and I gave it to him. Wow. But then he talks about in this book, he's just like, I couldn't sit well with that. He's like, I had all this stuff, all this money, all these, I had, you know, people I was, I was in, I had made it. And he's like, and I just wasn't digging it. I felt guilty about it. And, and he, you know, there's a million different conversations that place, um, ways that conversation could go, but he explores all of the nooks and crannies and it's profound, man. I'm going to stop before I, wow. <laughs> lose listeners, but uh, awesome. any more listeners, but check it out guys. It's awesome. 
Sweet. Well, it's on my Kindle. Sweet. On my iPad Kindle. I can't <laughs> wait for you to read it so we can talk about it. I really, I really want to sit down with you, AJ, and, and have tea and just talk about this stuff. Aww. It's going to be awesome. Go on. All right. So I think that does it for this uh, for this episode. No listener pick of the week this week, and we are out of time anyway. So, um, <laughs> so go home. <laughs> lots of different ways that you can support the show. First and foremost, tell your friends about it. If this is something you value and you think uh, other people might dig it too, just spread the word. You can find us online at InsideActingPodcast.com. And if you'd like to interact with us, you can leave a comment on one of the episodes there. Or you can email or call us, InsideActingPodcast at gmail.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail at 213-222-8677. Yeah, and of course, we're on all of the social medias. Twitter.com slash InsideActing. Facebook.com slash InsideActing. Um, you can find us all over the web. Leave us a review on iTunes and Actorated, if you would. Um, if nice you, review. If you hate us, let us know first so we can fix it. Um, and then go back and write a five-star review. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. Um, and we mentioned the uh, voicemail line at the top of the show. Last but certainly not least, it's not free to do. So please check out our website, InsideActingPodcast.com. Over on the right-hand side, there's the Donate button where you, too, can contribute to the podcast and you know, uh, help us keep this uh, keep this little thing going. It's completely at this point one hundred percent listener supported. Um, we are constantly working to uh, upgrade the status of the podcast, I guess you would say, and uh, attract uh, sponsors and potentially even a distribution channel. But uh, as we s- uh, sit here, one hundred and sixteen episodes in, we are still completely supported by you guys. Would not be able to do it without you. So. Uh, head on over to the website and click the donate button. Please. And remember, that's a tax write-offable expense. That's an education right expense. Write-offable. So hang on to however much you donate. Hang on to your your invoice or your receipt or whatever it is. And uh, make sure you write that off at tax time as an education expense. Uh, and then I think that does it. So for episode 116, for our production coordinator, Jen Levin. For our technical producer, Cesar Gamino. And for myself, Trevor Algott. And you? I, no, I'm, I was like, are you done? <laughs> you looked at me and I was like... I didn't know if you were done. Don't forget uh, yourself. Would, yeah, don't forget yourself. Um, I'm AJ Meyer. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, get stiked! Get stiked!